Hello everyone, I'm Kevin. And I'm Jackson. And this is In-Game Chat. Before we get started on the main topic, I guess I just want to talk a little bit about in-game chat briefly because Conrad and I just kind of jumped right into it last episode. Working at Twitch, I just thought it was really cool just talking about various kinds of video games with all of my coworkers. We just had discussions all the time in just random Slack channels and I just thought everyone's opinions was very interesting and people had some very hot takes and I think it's just kind of fun talking about these things. So that's what inspired me to start this podcast. And so now we have my coworker and friend Jackson. Hello. Talk about Mario games. Yeah. Because yeah. my last episode, I infuriated him by stating that Mario games are overrated. Yeah, that's right. That was the hot take. That was the hot take of the last episode. I think I think that the the lesson is that you need to have a hot take every episode so that infuriate somebody to come on the podcast yeah. and try to speak their case about why something is good when you say it's bad. Or vice versa, I guess. I just need to insult a different demographic mm -hmm. each time. So I sit next to Kevin. We work together and I'm 33 years old. So I'm like pretty much the oldest person Kevin knows. I'm practically dead. I was around when dinosaurs roamed the earth and engineers like smashed rocks together to make video games. And that's how it was done. So when you come out, you know, with your hot take about Mario, I feel like I have to like educate all of the, the zoomers out there that like to dab and play Fortnite. <laughs> about how you whippersnappers need to like appreciate the classics. <laughs> but the truth is that like you and I talk about video games all the time and we actually have pretty aligned viewpoints on the thing. You're not somebody who's like, I think you have a really broad sort of like a broad sensibility about oh, yeah. what games are good. You I like a lot, lot of, of different games. kinds I of games. I play a lot. And I would say I, I like variety in games. I like to play a lot of different types of games. I'm not really a big like AAA gamer. Mm -hmm. I don't play a lot. Like most of the AAA games I play are like from Nintendo, mm -hmm. you know, because I've just been indoctrinated in that my whole life. But like, I'm not going out and playing like the new God of War or whatever, even though I know it's really great. Part of that is just convenience of my life. Yeah. I'm a new dad. So if I can play it on the Switch, then it's much more likely to get played for me than something that's on a console, which I don't have, or my PC, which is like upstairs and not really like I can't just go yeah. and get immersed into a PC gaming experience right now. But the Switch is like a great console for indie games, which I know, like Kevin, you're super into indie games. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really into indie games. I really like games that are very unique, you know, yeah. that have like some special interesting take on a genre or defy genre altogether. And I like Nintendo games. So so the Switch is basically perfect yeah. for me. Oh, Nintendo always does the best job at handhelds, mm -hmm. I think. Like Sony tried with the PS Vita, yeah. was it? But it didn't really take off. I think that uh, Nintendo's like, they'll do something completely crazy and out of the blue that makes no sense and half the time at least it fails and is terrible like the virtual boy or something like that they're always doing something where they're like hey we're gonna go way out of left field when we create this new thing like the wii mm -hmm. was super successful but for every wii they had like a really terrible version instead so they're like risk takers the wii u in the wii u yeah exactly so wii u terrible. <laughs> yeah i have some there's a little bit about yeah. the wii u but they iterated on it with the switch like the switch wouldn't have happened without the wii u i feel like yeah i mean th there's probably a lot of like engineering yeah. technology that they like refined as they went through with the wii u and then they finally made something that's good the wii u was is... windows 8 
Yeah, <laughs> the switch is Windows 10. Yeah, well, see, there, there's your hot take. Somebody is probably going to want to come on the <laughs> podcast, not talk about gaming at all, and just talk about how much they hate Windows 10 for some reason. They're like, it updates when I don't want it to update. There are some people who are still on Windows 8, and inside I'm just like, why? But I know they have their reasons. Yeah. So Whatever. You know, but using Windows, you it's it's a thing you have to do. It's a burden you have to bear if you want to play games, basically. Yeah, that's true. So we can do this a couple of ways. I guess I will go through my chronological notes briefly. Okay, all right. So very first introduction of Mario was with the Donkey Kong arcade game in 1981. Mario was first called Jumpman. Mm-hmm. He didn't even have a name yet. Do you know where the name Mario came from? Uh, No. Nintendo of America's landlord for their office and warehouse was named Mario Segale. And then he apparently just barged in on a meeting to demand an overdue rent payment. Okay, look at you talking about you didn't have notes, and here you are <laughs> just, like, coming up with the, the deep-cut facts this that I like don't know anything. This is, like, 15 minutes of uh, Wikipedia, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Actually, I knew this prior, um, and I thought it was just super interesting that yeah. because just of a landlord, now everyone knows the name Mario in video games. I know. Um, so that was 1981, and then in Donkey Kong 2, there's a sequel for the arcade mm-hmm. game in 1982, one year after. Apparently, this is the only game where Mario appears in as an antagonist because the roles are reversed. Instead of Mario trying to climb up to Donkey Kong or Jumpman climbing up to Donkey Kong, it's Donkey Kong Jr. trying oh, yeah. to save oh, Donkey, so Donkey Kong. Oh, yeah, it's Donkey Kong Jr. Donkey Kong Jr. is super fun. I thought that was really interesting. I never knew. Have you ever played Donkey Kong Jr.? No, I'm, I didn't know this it's actually It's actually pretty fun for its time. It's the same game, isn't it? No, it's completely oh, different okay, than the original okay. Donkey Kong. It's like it's got like vines you climb, and there's mm-hmm. like I don't know every level's different. Mm-hmm. It I found it pretty fun when I was a kid. Um, and then the last main arcade game was just Mario Bros. Mm-hmm. No Super. Yes. Um, just another arcade game, and then it has like the pow block in the middle, and you have to like hit that to like was it Turtles or something? The uh, yeah, the Koopas. The Koopas. Yeah. yeah. And you just like go around trying to kill as many as you can without dying. Mm-hmm. Collect coins. And then we enter Super Mario Bros., which you can take off from here. All right. Well, I can, I, you know, setting the stage for this because the impact of Super Mario Brothers cannot be overstated. All right. So in 1983, there was this big thing called the video game crash of 1983. Mm-hmm. So 83 is actually when the Japanese Famicom came out. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Nintendo had been working on it. They released this console, but in Japan and they hadn't released one in America yet. And there were a bunch of different companies in the market that had different consoles. There was like Magnavox and the Atari and everybody was trying to get in on this because the home console market was pretty new and it was kind of a growing market. But in the, like between like 81 and 83, all of a sudden everything, like the bottom started to fall out. And Atari famously buried 700,000 unbought cartridges of games that did not sell well in New Mexico in this landfill. I've heard about this. Yeah. I, as well, I heard that tidbit. I'm pretty sure it's a lie. No, it's true. No, it's, it's true. a factoid. No, it's it's true. Uh, and that's actually the correct use of factoid. Good job on that. Thank you. Uh-huh. But <laughs> I'll have to look at that up later. No, no, uh, I have looked it up because I did a little bit of homework uh-huh. for this, not just spit <laughs> my hot takes onto paper. But I think that the myth is that it was millions of cartridges and it was only 700,000. Only seven hundred thousand. Only seven hundred thousand. Yeah, that's that's right. so much plastic. I know. In the desert. I know. And right. and the I think the one that people most associate with this burying in the desert is the ET game for Atari, which I had when I was a kid. Oh. And I tried playing it, and it is unplayable. It's like, what is going on? There's no. <laughs> I mean, most Atari games are kind of like, what is going on? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what this weird block is on the screen. Like, is that supposed to represent 
I see. I see. You know, and uh, but yeah, this game was just like you just keep falling into a hole, and you don't even know what the objective is. It makes no sense. Is it bad enough to be worth buried in the New Mexico desert? Yeah, it's like the perfect icon for this video game crash. Mm-hmm. And so when this happened, you know, it was horrible for all these businesses. Many of them completely decided we're not doing the video game industry whatsoever anymore because we feel that it was a novelty. It's kind of like burned off. And now nobody wants like it was just something people were playing around with, but it doesn't really have any staying power. So because of this, so the NES was released in 1985 in the U.S. And in Japan, it's called the Famicom, right? In America, it was called the NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. Yep. And it was named this, and it was marketed to be really not like a game or a toy because of this game crash. Oh. Yeah, so Nintendo Entertainment System, if you think about it, is a pretty dry name. It kind of sounds like a VCR, Yeah, yeah. And it looks like a VCR, right? The Famicom, the Japanese Famicom, it's it's a top loader, Mm. and it shows the game. It's brightly colored. The NES is like a gray box that front loads like a VCR. It's meant to look like a VCR. Oh, I didn't realize there was a difference like that in regional hardware. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's meant to look boxy, kind of like an appliance, right? Rather than like a toy or a game. Mm -hmm. And this is all because their marketing was like, okay, well, nobody wants to buy these consoles anymore. So we need to kind of brand it differently. That's pretty clever. So that just goes to show like how much of an impact and what the climate was like at this time. And when it was released in 85 was right around the time they released Super Mario Brothers. And it was, I don't know if it was a launch title with the NES, but it may, it was included with, it was, yeah, it was included with a lot of them. And this game single-handedly like made a complete 180 on this entire business. And if you look at the game industry today, it's bigger than the film industry. It's so huge, yeah. right? And I think you can trace all that back to this turning point with Super Mario Brothers. And so, you know, regardless of what your experience playing with is, it can't be understated the impact that this game has had. And so I think the question is, why was this game so impactful? Why did this matter so much to people? Why does it also have a staying power, right? Why do people still care about Mario, right? Like, why is it like, oh, Mario Odyssey, whatever. Why do you have people who are like still speedrunning Super Mario Brothers 1? Like, what is the point? This game's old, right? Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, it's interesting because I think that it's really easy to think about it as sort of like the vanilla ice cream of video games, right? It's so ubiquitous. It's so sort of the baseline that... You know, you're like, well, you know, Metroid has its own thing going on and it's got all this lore. And then you're like, well, Mario, Mario is just like the video game. Mario's always felt pretty basic to yeah. me. But if you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, it's so brilliant. It's so brilliant in so many ways. And I'm, and I'm going to sing its praises to you. Sure. It does set the gold standard for a lot of level design and game mechanics. Yeah. In my list here that I have, in my opinion, there's two big pieces that make Mario fantastic. Okay. Right. Sell it to me, Jackson. Okay. All right, so number one is the movement in the game, okay? So the movement and the control system, right? The control system is very intuitive. It's very simple. And it's a game that has momentum and physics. It has, you know, you can bounce off of objects. You slide. There's friction. There's uh, controlling in the air versus controlling on the ground. And this is sort of different than some of the other platformers of the area like Mega Man. Mega Man doesn't really have this same concept of like momentum and a physics engine. Right. It's like you're just moving left and right and jumping up and down. And that in and of itself, like it has its own charm, but nobody had done this sort of thing. I, I don't think Mega Man has much acceleration, deceleration, that kind of stuff. Exactly. It's certainly it's not close to instantaneous. It doesn't size. give, yeah, yeah, it doesn't really give that sense of like your the floatiness that you get with Mario, mm-hmm. right? 
And I feel like they spent so much time refining this with Super Mario Brothers to get that feel right for like, what does it feel like when you bounce off of an object or when an object gets kicked or what is it like when you're running? What is it like when you let go of the control pad? What's it like when you press the other direction, you know, mm-hmm. and all these things like the acceleration and deceleration is, are so finely tuned to give you that sense of immersion and to make you feel connected to the game. And there are many games since then. I think that uh, look at Super Mario World, for example, as like sort of the gold standard of what you want for movement. Like, I know you're a big fan of Celeste, right? I am a big fan of Celeste. And I would say that without a doubt, I'm sure when they were playing the game, they were when they were making the game, they were thinking about Super Mario World. And they were so different. It might feel a little, it's, it's no, not it's as different so as you might different. think. I mean, the, the thing is that the, they're trying to evolve on this thing, right? Yeah. But, and I think that there's, there, there are some other aspects they borrow from too. I think that mm-hmm. like uh, the like wall climbing mechanics are very similar to like Mega Man X. And I think that's something that also oh, okay. like Meat Boy used. Mm-hmm. So Super Meat Boy is another one that like sort of, I mean, they've explicitly said that Mario was an inspiration sure. for it, for the, for the way that the movement works yeah. and it makes it tight. It makes it, it really makes the immersion tight. And I think this is also true. Like this generally is true for the entire Mario series. They spend a lot of time getting the control systems just perfect. Even the 3d games, which I'm not as much of a 3d Mario person, mm-hmm. But Super Mario 64 has this amazing control yeah. system that, I mean, it's still, it has this staying power. People are still speedrunning this game because it's just, it's just like they spent so much time getting every movement mechanic to feel just right and to feel intuitive. And I think even Odyssey, like that was the number one thing for Odyssey for me. The reason it was fun, there are some moments in the game mm-hmm. that I find really memorable, like mm-hmm. the uh, New Donk City or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, and that City. was really fun. But I think that the main thing that got me to, complete the game and 100% it and all that stuff. It's just that it feels so good to jump around and run around. You 100%ed it? I did, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think 3D Mario has a lot of cool stuff like the triple jumps and the um, backflip jumps and how they're all different and work in different ways. Yeah. I think that the, it works really well in the in 3D Mario and they right. refined it. Um, they tried, They added that in like New Super Mario Brothers. I do not like New Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, so New Super Mario Brothers was what I played on back in like when the DS came out originally. And it was not enjoyable for me. And that's, I think, why I said I don't really like Mario games. And I think they're overrated. To be fair, that's an unfair take because I've like played only that and Odyssey. So I'm not the most well-versed. Oh, and then I played Super Mario World because you suggested it to me mm-hmm. to play before. What was uh, your experience like with that? Um, Super Mario World, claimed by many to be the best Super Mario game, came for free on Switch with the Nintendo Online service. So I just had it for free already and I didn't even realize just with the uh, SNES mm-hmm. SNES uh, emulator what a zoomer you have to ask me what console Super <laughs> Mario World was on oh my god <laughs> it was more fun than I expected for sure um, I think it was definitely better than new Super Mario Bros oh yeah but some of the stuff that you mentioned I'm sure were like very finely tuned but at the same time some of the stuff was really annoying like I thought the sliding was really annoying that's, like, that's interesting. In Celeste, everything is pretty tight. Um, there is acceleration deceleration mm-hmm. when you're moving, but it's pretty quick. I think the thing with Celeste, I mean, every game's going to be tuned a little bit differently depending on the pacing that you want with the game. And, right. you know, it's obviously an artistic choice, right? right? For sure. I um, think Mario has like more momentum in yeah. a lot of the things. Um, Celeste is kind of like, if you want to be here, that's where you land. 
And Mario's so, and I just wasn't used to it, I think, because whatever modern platform is that I'm playing, they don't have skidding or anything like that. Yeah. So I would land on the edge of a platform, think I'm okay, but then I just slide off and then I die. It's funny because when I was thinking about making the notes for this episode, I started sort of making a list in my head of games that really have a momentum-based platforming versus non-momentum-based platforming. Mm -hmm. And it, like, I guess... I always sort of thought, oh, most games do the momentum no. thing. And I don't think that's really true. Most like I was like, I you play, know, Mega yeah. Man doesn't like Metroid, Super Metroid, for example, like it has some momentum stuff, but mm -hmm. mostly it's like stop on a dime. For uh, most platformers, like when you when you land after a jump, that's where you will be. Exactly. But that's not how it is in Mario. And maybe that's annoying to you. It's annoying to me because I'm not used to it. Yeah, it, it might be something that you can get acclimated to or whatever. Yeah. I mean, did you complete the game yet? Uh, No, okay. I was in like World 4 or 5. Okay. I got... <laughs> it's annoying because I was just playing through the world. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, it just looped back to the first level. And I know some levels have like two exits. So I basically yes. figure out which is the secret exit that I need to find. But then I was just pissed because I was like... Why do I need to replay these levels to find a secret exit just so I can progress the game? Uh, dude, no, that, that's like the essence of Super Mario World, though. At least vanilla Super Mario World. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of evolution that's happened. I'm probably going to talk at least a little bit about the Kaizo ROM hacking stuff. That's a little less based in the secret exit stuff. But I feel like that's what was really magical to me as a kid playing Super Mario World as being like, yeah. Like, are, did you get to the Enchanted Forest? That's that was the level. That's I'm the one about. where it's like all based around the secret exits. It's meant to mess you up. It's meant to be like oh, this I is see. going in a freaking circle. Like it's an enchanted forest. You're yeah. lost. That right? is, that is the exact moment where I stopped playing after I realized. Okay, that. so that's sort of the theming of it. And you have to go back. You have to go back to the you know ghost house or this other level and like try to try to get the alternate exit to it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I find that fun. You know, I I think that the ghost houses sort of are the ones where you really need to get the alternate exits or you need to... The ghost they, houses are pretty fun. Yeah, but I feel like the, the Enchanted Forest is sort of like the ghost house of worlds right. where the entire oh, world is like sure. you have to find a way to escape it like, and you're not sure where to go. I think if I was a kid just trying to get maximum value out of my game and just enjoying the game for what it is, it would be a delightful experience. Me, as someone who's just trying to finish a game before a podcast, <laughs> I just I hit that moment. I was like, I'm yeah. not going to finish this game before we record but yeah. I played enough. It's fine. I can see that. I can see yeah. that. Um, I, I've talked about movement being sort of one of the key factors, I think, that differentiates Mario games that, like, for the most part, you know, New Super Mario Brothers, like, I'm not a huge fan of. But I think that the, the Mario games that are really successful mm -hmm. really spend a lot of time refining that movement and making it just perfect, just what is needed. Oh, you know? One thing I was surprised about was that wall jumps weren't just always around. No. Which makes sense if I think about yeah, it. Yeah. But I just assumed wall jumps would exist in Super Mario World and they just didn't. They did not. Yeah. Yeah. Or ground pounds too. Nope. Yeah, so those are all things that are... And actually, I think that's one of the things I was going to say about... You were talking about, oh, the triple jump mechanics are cool in the 3D games. Like 3D is like... You have a whole other dimension of movement. So having these extra tools, it's really helpful. In a 2D game, I just feel like New Super Mario Brothers, there's way too many movement mechanics. You can do the triple jump, you can do ground pound, you can do like the twirl to like give you a little extra oomph. And I just, after a while, I'm just like, just make a, like just less is more, you know what I mean? When it yeah, comes to yeah. the 2D platformers. And so, um, and I think that, you know, between Mario Brothers, uh, Mario 3 and Mario World, they refined the mechanics a little more every time in terms of movement. So uh, I would say that if you think that Mario World is like floaty and like momentum stuff, like play Super Mario 1, you're going to be like, 
it, it takes forever to get like Mario to right, stop, right. right? In comparison, these are kind of like by small degrees too, mm-hmm. but it's enough. These subtleties make a big difference to your gameplay experience. Um, I was going to move on to not talk about movement, <laughs> but let me just finish with one other thing. With Mario Maker 1 and Mario Maker 2, you know, they have like their clones of the different versions of the game. And what's funny is that like people have a really opinionated about, I mean, most people think real Super Mario World is the best. And then like there's Mario Maker 1 Super Mario World and there's Mario Maker 2 Super Mario World. Mm -hmm. And they're not exact replications of the same engine. And you were talking about how people were actually really annoyed by that. Yeah, I I find it annoying. I, I don't play that much Mario Maker 2 because when I play the Super Mario World levels, I'm just like... This isn't like real Super Mario World, and it, it irritates me. Okay, it's, boomer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, point taken. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that it's it just goes to show that like subtle changes can really be picked up on, especially when you're playing this game over and over, and you're playing all these different mm-hmm. levels. It's very intuitive, and it gets down to tiny differences in momentum yeah. and how quickly you stop and how you move when you're in the air versus when you're on the ground. I was definitely surprised to learn that those small differences were enough for people to just prefer Super Mario Maker 1 over 2. Mm-hmm. Or at least in that case, for Super Mario World physics, I feel like people still prefer Super Mario 2 just because it's on Switch instead of the Wii U. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think anybody plays Super Mario Ma- like Mario Maker 1 because nobody wants to bust out the Wii U. For sure. I- actually, I think that's a testament to that people really liked Mario Maker 1 is that people there was still a community that played it despite the Wii U and like who wants to keep a Wii U around and play on the Wii U. And there were a lot of people that did. It's gotten a lot more widespread success with its port to the Switch or the Mario Maker 2. And there's a bunch of really cool stuff. Switch is just more successful than the Wii U. It's just a better console in every way. So, (laughs) But the other piece, other than movement, that I think really drove Mario home is what I'm going to call iconography, right? I think that Mario games are in a class of their own, especially in their time period, for visuals that really pop and really are memorable. And, and not just necessarily the visual aspect of it. Uh, I mean, the, the pixel art is gorgeous in like Super Mario World. They really knew how to take advantage of like the color palettes and everything that you can do with the Super NES and push it to its limit. In terms that was the point of the game, wasn't it? I think they made the game specifically to just demonstrate. Yeah. And I mean, the, there was actually like, you know, Super Mario World was pretty early on. The Super NES also had add-on chips and cartridges to add new graphics stuff. And in subsequent games and such, those were used. You know, I don't know. In uh, Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, you know, there was yeah. a bunch of stuff there. And a lot of that was like extra co-processing that could happen because there was actual chips on the cart to power That's up the graphics. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was the standard way to do things back then. It's like, like Mario 3, for example, had extra processing power in the cart that mm-hmm. was not available in Mario 1. But it's it's not necessarily about the processing power as much as it is about good art, like having good pixel art where you less is more. And people really learn to appreciate that in 2020, whatever, you know, like there's good pixel art and there's bad pixel art. I play games that are pixel art and I'm just like, this is garbage. And I hate it. <laughs> and then other ones that are like Celeste where you're just like, it's just it's like, beautiful. it just yeah. tickles your brain. It's yeah. so delicious, you know, but not just the visuals. When I'm talking about the iconography, it's sort of the conceptual way that you interact with different components of the game and that you have these different pieces, these little bite-sized components that you interact with in the game that are just so, they they pop, you know, like the mushroom and the Koopa shell and they burn right into your memory and they burn right into the cultural lexicon. Like everybody knows, you know what I mean? That's kind of a big differentiator, Right. right? Like maybe people knew what centipede was or whatever, but like that's it. 
Everyone knows what a power-up mushroom is. Everyone knows what a level-up mushroom exactly. is. Exactly. People know what Fortnite is, right? Like, yeah. even a boomer like me knows what Fortnite is, you know? But if you're like, oh, does everybody know some iconic thing from Fortnite? No. Like, they just know people do dances, whatever. Mm-hmm. Everybody's shooting each other with shotguns, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I'm not trying to dump on Fortnite. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's its own game, and I think people appreciate but it. But everyone knows Mario visuals. Yeah, exactly. Like, Mar- that's one of Mario's strengths is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's things that... Mario is not strong in, for example, story. Mario basically has no story. Like, yeah. it's really just a vehicle for the game. It's mm-hmm. just a vehicle for the platform, right? Whereas there's a lot of games where it's more flipped. There's other games that sort of are very good at connecting the level design, world creation, and the gameplay in such a way that it makes you feel connected to the story. And that's not anything that that's happens in Mario. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Mario is just like, it's just, oh, the princess was stolen. It's just something right it's just something to fill the space it's like the lyrics to a stevie wonder song like they're there so that he has something to sing (laughs) but really it's you know it's it's about the music right and in this case i think it's about the gameplay for mario in terms of iconic design too um not just the visuals but also Mm -hmm. audio too i think everyone or most everyone can hear a sound when you just think about like mario collecting a coin Mm -hmm. or mario jumping or mario going do 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 as he like gets bigger that's an excellent point yeah i hadn't even thought of that but Yes, like the sound effects are also iconic, right? Yeah. And I think that this is like, this is just the genius of Miyamoto. He really just had this way of creating these little pieces. Uh, uh, pipes is another thing. It's like, oh, yes, yes. This concept of going into pipes and that'll get you to a new place. I mean, he had so many like weird, they're, it's very off the wall, but it all is cohesive in this really strange way. And everybody wears it proudly as like an icon of video gaming. Like you have the one up mushroom, you're like, this is video gaming, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's, that is part of what brought it out of this, like, business that was dead, you know, mm-hmm. where it was like, everybody was like, oh, nobody cares about these video games, whatever. And within a couple of years, like, people know what a mushroom is, who Mario is. And eventually when you have Mario World and all this other kind of stuff, you know, you got Yoshi and these things that are just iconic and just easy to hang on to and it makes and it easier to make it uh, more of a cultural phenomenon exactly things are more memorable exactly so i think th- those are my two big things like what makes mario this lasting series this lasting piece of art mm-hmm. yeah and i think that like people still care about this game they care about the old games there's people who speed run super mario one oh yeah like endlessly uh, they've like gotten it down to the most insane like oh they can shave a couple more frames off of it if they're inhumanly good but mm-hmm. that's pretty much it it's the difference between like a real person speed running it and the tool assisted speed run where they have a computer do it is pretty marginal at this point yeah. you know they've they've done so much refinement of that and then there's Mario Maker which there's a whole community around it and there's also this weird kind of back and forth between that and the, the Kaiser ROM hacking community, mm-hmm. people who like hack the original Super Mario World game. This is actually like, there's a lot of people that are into this. I mean, whatever. Like it's some, it's a, <laughs> within, it's a within niche, the niche community. It's a niche a community, people. but people are crazy about it. Like the, the, just this last week, Grand Pooh World 3 was announced, which is a ROM hack that is going to be made by this guy, Barb, who is a, an excellent level maker for Mario Maker. And he's made multiple different ROM hacks in the past that people mm-hmm. consider like the best Kaizo ROM hacks. Explain um, Kaizo, what Kaizo is. Yeah, yeah. So Kaizo is it's a Japanese word for rearrange. And it's, there's this legendary game, Kaizo Mario World, that's like, oh, rearranged Mario World, right? That was hacked. And it's from like 2006 or seven or something like that. And it was made by this guy. Nobody knows who actually made it. His name's T Takamoto. And nobody knows who he is. 
There's there's no real evidence of it. It's just kind of made by a mystery person. And it was like super hard, at least considered super hard at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of those things that you're like, well, let's see if you can beat this. And that's and what it was be- known for, right? The difficulty. Yeah, exactly. It's just like insanely difficult. Like so hard you have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours just to beat one level. Did you ever play the original Kaizo levels? I tried to. Um, it doesn't age that well. I also, I'm not that great. So I like to watch people play Kaizo <laughs> levels. I have like spent sunk some serious hours into playing some games that I really liked when I saw them on stream. And I had to spend like five, six hours per level sometimes to beat them, which is pretty brutal. Like that is a time investment. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like the level when you beat it is 35 seconds long, but it takes you six hours to do it. But it's so beautiful when people who speed run these games, they've played these levels so many times that it's just like watching a Rube Goldberg machine where they're sort of one thing leads to another. And it's just like a perfect platforming of these crazy obstacles that they have to encounter. And there's a lot of stuff in that Mario Maker and Mario Maker 2 levels that people have created, these like really obscenely difficult ones. One of the things that I think is really interesting about Mario Maker is it's such an unexpected move from Nintendo. This is not the sort of thing they would normally do, but it's so cool that they did. And I feel like Mario, more than anything, because of that like iconography bit, Mm-hmm. It really lends itself like you get these components and you're like, I get to piece them together however I want and to build a level in any way that I want. People get super creative with this stuff, too. So, yeah, I'm I'm really obsessed with the like maker community and the ROM hacking community. Those are like probably my, my most watched streams for me. So it's very fun to watch, like watching games done quick. They mm-hmm. always have like a Kaizo level Mario yeah, Maker yeah. kind of run where they have like relay races or other sorts of speed runs. Yeah, and it has a really healthy community, too. There's, like, a lot of people, and they get together for big events where they all do, like, a bunch of crazy Kaizo stuff. It's pretty fun. All right, well, we can talk about controls. Okay. Let me talk about my complaints about Super Mario World. Okay. And maybe this is just because I am a Zoomer and I didn't grow up with Mario. Mm-hmm. So, like, for one, I already talked about the skidding. Okay. Holding the run button all the time. At least I held it all the time. Maybe that's not the way you're supposed no, to do it. No, that's the way you do it. <laughs> yeah. Why, why is it? Why isn't a walk button then? That's like I mean, that I have to hold it on all the time, and then I have to switch which run button I want to use depending on which jump button I want to use. Yep. I, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> like this is the stuff that stuck out in my mind, at least. Like I get it. Well, it's another thing. Like, uh, how about Mega Man? Uh, you played Mega Man. I have not played a single Mega Man. Game. Seriously, what the hell? All right. Well, any game where you're you charge something up, like why isn't it just charge when you're not pressing the button yeah modern games nowadays will lean towards more of that like yeah. remember when every first person shooter game you'd have to hold shift and it wasn't until much later they became like toggle shift to run hmm. so game designers i think have learned in like the yeah modern I, think day, that, but... I think that's true and i i think that at the time that was just what was done like run was why that was just the idiom and like you're right maybe it doesn't make that much sense but you know yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just the complaint, right? That's I, mean, just I think what there's I probably a lot of games that still have that. Probably, know. but it's just annoying like, to... I don't know, Super Meat Boy definitely had, like, wide run. Uh, but, like, yeah, Celeste, no, right? Well, Celeste has dash, right? Celeste has dash, yeah. but it doesn't have a button. Uh, this, my main complaint is you have to hold this button down the entire time. Yeah. And you let go of it sometimes if you need precision. Yeah. Um, but generally but, you don't. Like, yeah. even when you need precision, you just do some turnbacks. Yeah. It, it is kind of it's maybe a, bit, a little It's a bit silly. silly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the Y button is used for, like, cape stuff. Cape stuff. Oh. Cape movement was also just so confusing because the instructions, like, like, I didn't understand. Did you, like, look up the instructions or what? No, I just played around with it until time ran out until (laughs) I just replayed the level (laughs) afterwards because I couldn't figure it out because it was just, oh, you run and then you jump. 
and then you move the left and right directional keys to like glide yeah it was not very clear no it's not when, like, I, I, thought when run, I was a kid like i thought run was just holding the run button and then just jumping but i didn't go high at all i didn't realize there was actually like a initial run and then like a actual run at like top speed so it's interesting because uh the in in super mario 3 they introduced this idea of p speed you haven't played super mario 3 no. okay okay well in in super mario 3 uh at the bottom bar you have your score and your lives and all of that stuff and it also has this meter that's called the p meter mm-hmm. and it fills up as you're running and when you get to the p speed it gets to the top there's like this p i guess it's like power and when you get to the top of that Mario changes his stance. He's like, has his arms outstretched instead of just like running. And then that's when you can fly with the Super Leaf in Mario oh, 3, which is sort of like the equivalent right. of the cape. The but Tanuki. Have, yeah, the Tanuki suit. So yeah, like this was like explicitly called out in the UI of Mario 3. One of the things is it's super freaking annoying in Mario 3 because when you're hitting P-Speed, it's giving you this like the entire time and it's like so loud and like it's like legendarily annoying i see but it's kind of like zelda when you're really low on health and it's like ding 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 you're like oh this is so annoying Mm -hmm. it's epically annoying you know and so i think when they did mario world they were like wanted to cut down on the ui and they were just like well whatever people understand p speed so now they know when mario outstretches his arms Mm -hmm. he's at max he's at at max p but then for people like me who are going backwards i don't know that's true you don't know yeah and the other thing is back in the time when you had Super Mario World, you go to the store, you buy Super Mario World, and you're in the back seat of the car, and you're ripping it open, and you read the instruction booklet. And the instruction booklet was like 25 pages. It was like there was a lot of stuff in there. You can Instruction read. booklets aren't a thing anymore. I know. They're not. Exactly. So that's why you have tutorials and games and stuff like that. But back then, it, you kind of expected to look through the book and be like, oh, yeah. this is how you use the cape. This is how you use the fire flower. But I would say even with the instruction booklet as a kid, I definitely had trouble figuring out the cape mechanics. But eventually I did. And like you got to figure out like a certain timing to the gliding too. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of just playing around with it. But the more you play around with it, the more depth there is. Cape tech is really crazy in uh, a lot of the ROM hacks and stuff like that. They take advantage of when you're doing a normal jump versus a spin jump. There's completely different mechanics on how it works when you're when you going. Have the cape. Yeah. yeah. So when you do a normal jump, you end up flying really high, and then you can do the the floating that you have. When you do like a, a spin jump, you can go up a little bit in the air, then go down, then go back up, then down and up, and you can't really do that the oh. same way with the normal jump. So it's. <laughs> I don't think these, I like, even tried caping with the yeah. spin jump. Some of the like Kaiser levels with capes are crazy, but they also can be really annoying if they're poorly made. So right, it's. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I would have liked to have that instruction manual. Yeah. There's definitely some stuff that I just had to guess and check to mm-hmm. figure out. There's also like a lot of things where the mechanics of the game engine in Mario World, there's lots of things that like you never really have to use, but they're there. So there's these little subtleties about the different types of jumps that you can do. I don't know them. That's in, the thing, in Super yeah. Mario World, like, okay, so if you're going and you jump, you normal jump on a Koopa, you bounce high. If you spin jump on a Koopa, he just dies and you fall. I almost never want to jump high. I usually, when that happens to me, I bounce up and I hit something else and then I, I die. And it's really annoying. <laughs> but there's times when you like kind of need to jump Sometimes on it to get up to, to a higher platform. Right, you know? right. I guess there are a lot of subtleties there. There was a lot of times where I would die because I would bounce and I'm not expecting that big of a bounce or something. I think a lot of it was just me not being used to the Mario mechanics of that time because of all the games I play now, I don't really expect that. Other random things... Just minor annoyances. And I, to be clear, I mm-hmm. did enjoy the game. These are just <laughs> like my minor grievances that I'm blowing up to be 
Mario sucks. Just a disclaimer to keep me yeah. from like. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that I was confused by was the amount of coyote time. Although I think Celeste just spoiled me there. Can you define coyote time? Oh, yes. Coyote time is a mechanic in platformers where you can jump slightly after you've left a platform. Like when you're running off of a platform, Mm -hmm. games will give you like a few frames of lenience to still press jump. Even when you're not on the platform anymore, you can press jump and it'll still jump. You can't do that in Mario World, though. They don't have any coyote time, do they? Yeah, I think that's why I was really confused. (laughs) Because I want to say in more modern games, even the Mario games too, they all all implement coyote time in celeste you can be almost a full body width off of a platform and still press jump Hmm. interesting and in mario that didn't happen and that is something that is a standard in modern platforming that i i missed a lot because it would be something like if i go down like a stairwell of blocks Mm -hmm. i'm holding right going down one block at a time Mm -hmm. and i press jump i expect it to buffer the jump at some point going down the stairs i don't really care when but sometimes in mario world that input would just get eaten and it don't jump at all. There's not a lot of stairs in Mario World though. No, it just, it came up once and I was like, huh, that's really <laughs> weird. I would expect in a modern game that my jump would be buffered at some point. That's interesting. It's an interesting observation. I don't know anything about Coyote time. Oh, it's really but interesting. But that makes sense, right? It's like Coyote running off the cliff and not realizing that's that he's where off the, the cliff. That's where the name comes okay, from. Yeah. I get it. Uh, it's actually, for me, very noticeable when games don't have Coyote time. Hmm. That's interesting. I've never really given it much thought. I mean, There's a, a one YouTube channel I follow. Conrad and I talked about a lot. Game Maker's Toolkit. Hmm. He has a whole episode on uh, Celeste platforming hmm. mechanics and what makes Celeste feel so good. I can send you that video Please too. Do, he explains yeah. stuff like Coyote time and like the amount of time it takes for acceleration, deceleration. Mm-hmm. Even jump heights. He talks about Celeste's jump height versus like Mario's jump height mm-hmm. and how like because of the length of time they take the jump, how it feels different. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're... Getting towards the end. Yeah. Uh, top it off. What are your top personal favorite Mario games? Personal favorite Mario games. Uh, well, Mario World and Mario 3 are very close in my heart. I always have a trouble deciding between them. Mario 3 is, I would say, harder, a more difficult game than Mario World. But Mario World, the physics engine is just... Oh. It's just a, it's a spicy meatball, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a simile. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's just, I love the Mario world game engine. I don't, wouldn't care so much for playing Mario three hacks, but Mario three itself, like it has so many weird little novelties and just little one-off things in the game that are just like, Oh, in this one level, it's completely different than every other level in the entire game. And then after that, like the Goomba shoe is in one level in Mario three. That also is, I don't know if you know the Goomba shoe. No idea what that is. a little green shoe that he jumps in and he goes around the, Oh, I've, might have seen that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you've Sounds seen familiar. that. It's from one level in Mario Three. Interesting. It's it's, it's crazy. Uh, but there's a lot. There's like the sun that attacks you. One level in the game. I think it's just one level. No, two. There's just one a bunch of random game. one-offs that make it feel unique. Yeah, and there's like a suit that you can get only in two places in the game. So it's just these like it's just like a it's got this kind of charm about it that is long-lasting to me. So I, I would say maybe Mario World is top, and Mario Three is second for me. What would come next? would be super mario brothers 2 game of the year baby <laughs> 20 years mario, in a row mario brothers 2 is fun i don't know if it's how about super mario rpg there we go we got that oh, uh there you go i guess that is a super mario game i know i know uh, super mario rpg is like it's a weird one it's a little jrpg but i need another episode on jrpgs with somebody yeah but yeah. i think i need to play more jrpgs first well <sighs> you should play super mario brothers super mario rpg because uh 
It's I've a weird. It's a weird game. I've heard with good things charm. about that, and like Paper Mario is like another kind of. I've heard RPG that. Of I've never played Paper Mario. I'm not really a big RPG person these Same. days. Uh, Same. But yeah. But okay. Anyway, thank you, Jackson. I've learned a lot about Mario. All right. And I feel more appreciative of Super Mario World, and hopefully, I will get around to finishing that. Maybe on the plane. I I'll hope bring you my do. switch around. Yeah. There you go. It's good for the airplane. You know what I think I'm gonna do? I think I'm going to just look up how to get out of that forest area. Yeah. Just do that. It's not. It's not enjoyable for me to. I didn't have the capability of doing that back in 1993 when I was playing this game. The internet makes everything different. You had to buy guides before, or you would swap secrets with your friends on the playground. Right. That's what it would be. You go to school and you'd be like, dude, I found the secret exit for, you know, I found how to get to the green switch palace. That's something you know? I miss so much. Like there's so many just rumors on I old know. games like, oh, you can get Mew if you do this in the Pokemon game. And I that know. just doesn't exist anymore because you can just fact check everything. That's I actually right. really miss it. And I don't know how like kids these days, <laughs> now nah, I'm, I'm slowly becoming a boomer, but kids these days, I don't know how they get their secret and rumors. Yeah, well, that's interesting. And I also, I used I subscribed for a year to Nintendo Power, you know. Oh, yeah. The magazine. Yeah. Do you I, still have those? I, I didn't keep them, but that's a shame. My, my wife, who is wonderful, okay, she at one point bought me as a gift the 100th issue of Nintendo Power. Wow. Just she like found it on the internet somewhere. Is it expensive? I don't think it's that expensive. Okay. Uh, but it, you know, it was, it was probably like, yeah. it's but more, than, it, it, more than just like a random issue of a magazine, right. but it, it's not like going to break the bank. Right. But I just like randomly talked to her about like, oh yeah, I had Nintendo Power for a year and it was the year when the 100th issue came out and it was like an extra thick issue and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then she got it for me. And now I'm so looking sweet. back through it and I'm just like, oh my God, look at these horrible designs. A lot all of over. nostalgia. Like the... Oh, man, it's hilarious. Just like the graphic designer must have been, I don't know, like right. a 16-year-old <laughs> like who just figured out how to use a computer program. Yeah. to. Some things you think are so great as a kid, and then once you go back as an adult, you're just like, huh. That's what you got to lean into the nostalgia. That's what I have to say. You do. You, you know? have to, yeah. Some things just aren't that great once you go back to it, like Super Mario World. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, th- thanks for having me on. Uh, this is really fun. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. It was super fun. I'm sure I'll bring you back for sure. I feel like we talk about video games a mm-hmm. lot. It's just fun to record it and get it all down. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, for our listeners, I'm selling out right now. Make sure don't forget to follow whether you're listening to this on Spotify and I think hopefully iTunes soon. I think I need three episodes for iTunes, but I'm not entirely sure on that. Well, you know, one only more. To one go. more. One more to go. All right. Thank you, Jackson.